the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Gary Randall. Today, it's always a privilege, a pleasure. Today is Wednesday, May the 13th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 13, 1940, first speech to Prime Minister Winston Churchill told Parliament, I have nothing to offer but blood, toils, tears, and sweat. Today in 1607, English colonists arrived by ship at the site of what became the Jamestown Settlement in Virginia. The colonists went ashore the next day. Today in 1914, heavyweight boxing champion Joe Lewis was born in Lafayette, Alabama. My dad and his brothers were big boxing fans, my uncles. They used to talk about Joe Lewis when I was a kid. Today in 1918, the first U.S. airmail stamp, it cost 24 was featuring a picture of a Curtis JN-4 biplane. It was publicly issued. The problem was that some of the stamps had the Jenny, as they call that airplane, printed upside down. Made them collect. I'm sure that they were worth more than 24 cents. Even then, particularly, they would be now. Today, in 1958, Vice President Richard Nixon and his wife, Pat, they were spat upon. Their limousine was battered by rocks. They were thrown by anti-U.S. demonstrators in Caracas, Venezuela. They didn't want anything to do with capitalist America, into socialism, utopia. Well, that didn't end well. Now everybody in Venezuela probably wants to come to America. Today, 1981, socialism never works. It never has it because it, it stands in direct opposition to God's principles as well as economic and financial principles. It's never worked. Today, in 1981, Pope John Paul II was shot and seriously wounded in St. Peter's Square by a Turkish assailant. Today, in 1985, a confrontation between Philadelphia authorities and the Black Liberation Group, MOVE, that's an acronym, They're, they were not a good group. They ended as police. The police didn't act well either, but they dropped a bomb into the group's row house, igniting a fire that killed 11 people and destroyed 61 homes. And today in 1994, President Bill Clinton nominated federal appeals judge Stephen Breyer to the U.S. Supreme Court to replace retiring Justice Harry Blackman. Breyer was, of course, confirmed. These are very, very important, perhaps the most important decisions that the President of the United States will make in their term. The fact that President Trump had promised to nominate constitutionalists for the just for the Supreme Court is why some evangelicals voted for Trump. They didn't like a lot of other things about Trump, but they liked that. And that's why some of them voted for Trump on that one issue. It's that important, and it is. Judges can be activists on the judicial, the highest court in the land, and some of them are. I, I feel, in fact, the two appointees of Barack Obama, I think, are activists. In fact, they don't even there's really not a pretense of being constitutionalists. They're just activists. They talk about what's fair. And, and it isn't about what's fair. It's about what the Constitution says. 
So it's a very important decision, and many are wondering how Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to do. She's in failing health. She's not doing well medically at all. In fact, she was in the hospital a couple of days just within the week. She has made the promise publicly. She says, I will not die until Donald Trump is out of office. That's how strongly people feel about the Supreme Court of the United States. Most Democrats agree. Rasmussen put out a poll today. They agree with what Nancy Pelosi is pushing. She's suggesting, and so is Chuck Schumer, that everybody in America who earns less than $120,000 a year should get a $2,000 check for the government to help them through this coronavirus economy every month, just for as long as it takes. It could be months, years, whatever they feel is the right amount of time. People are attracted to that. I mean, $2,000 a month, like kind of indefinite, who wouldn't be attracted to that? Socialism always is an attraction in the beginning. But as I said earlier, it never ends well. The report found that 22% of likely voters believe that the United States can buy its way out of the economic damage, out of the damage that's been done by the coronavirus. 56% say, no, we can't. There's not enough money to solve these problems. We have to go out and become productive citizens and do what we were doing before. And that's the future of the nation. And that is the future of the nation. There's no question about that. Our founding fathers understood that, but many, unfortunately, in government today on the left do not understand it. And that's one of the problems that we're, fa that we're facing each and every day. I got an email from a person, a, a guy, a man, um, a while back, within the last week or two. And um, he said, hi, Gary, listening to your program in Seattle. And uh, he said, I wanted to just thank you for turning on the light every morning. He said, I listened to you. I think he said he was driving to work or something. He said, I listen to you every day. And he said, thanks for turning on the light every morning. And he started to support us, which I appreciate deeply. But he said, it's an honor, he said, to just listen in because he said, everything seems to be shaded, seems to be dark. And he said, it seems that there are those that work to shade and hide and shadow things. So people don't really understand what's going on. Well, and he said, thank you for what you do, and we want to support you. Well, thank you for that, if you're listening today, and, and thank you to all of you who support us. I'd like to talk to those of you in Seattle in particular. As you know, we've been on the air a number of months in Seattle. It's a large market. It's an expensive market to be in, and I feel that the Lord spoke to us to be there. We are grateful to be on Salem here on this station, but I want to just encourage you, if you believe in what we're doing, and, and many of you are, and I want to thank you for that, but if, you, if you're listening and you believe in what we're trying to do, and it, I think it's pretty apparent what we're doing and trying to do on this program. I'm a pastor, have been an ordained minister all of my adult life, and I, I just feel that God wants me to do this the way we're doing it and talk about the events from a biblical perspective. And the response where this program is on has been terrific. And it's been terrific in Seattle, but we're not meeting our budget yet. And I would encourage you to consider joining with others in the Seattle area who are standing with us financially. 
Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Your contribution is tax deductible. We're a nonprofit. And I want to thank you in advance for standing with We need you. So thank you. I often mention the verse in Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2, that says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Sometimes we hear the expression, boy, the heat is on, or I'm feeling the heat, got to move on, or whatever. No one likes that feeling. It's a feeling of pressure. It's a feeling of vulnerability. I don't know about you, but I grew up in Sunday school, was there every Sunday. My mom and dad were very involved in our local church, and my dad was on the board, and my mother was a teacher, and my dad was too. And I was there, and I remember as a kid seeing the, the flannel graph. I don't know if you remember those or not, but they had them when I was a kid. And the, the, uh, our teacher, Mrs. Enlow, would put up these little flannel graph things of all these different people, Jonah and the whale and all. I remember the one she would do about Daniel. The one with Daniel and the lions really got my attention, but the other one that caught my attention was Daniel's three Hebrew friends. You know who they are. She would put them up, and then she had this furnace. This great big fire was coming out of this furnace, and she would kind of throw them into that furnace. And I, I can remember as a kid thinking, man, would I, I mean, would I allow, would I go through with that if I were one of those guys? And of course, that's what her motive was: is to get us kids to think about the Bible and about the Lord. And I was thinking. I think my thoughts were right thoughts. I hope they were. But anyway, I remember thinking about it. But I was thinking about that this morning. And I, I thought, you know, it, it, the, lit, the heat was literally on those three teenagers. You know the story. King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, you know, everybody that doesn't bow down is going to be punished. And everybody that doesn't do what I tell you to do and worship me is going to be public, uh, punished. And they said, well, we can't do that. We, we worship and serve the true and living God. That didn't go well with him. So they, you know, heated up the furnace seven times hotter than it normally would be and threw them into the fire, bound them and threw them into the fire. You know the story. Well, the, the outcome of that was that the king leaped to his feet in amazement. He looked around, he asked his advisors, he said, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And Yes, your majesty, of course, your majesty, there were there are three men in there. He said, no, there isn't. There's four. There's four men walking around in that fire. How is this happening? He said, they're unbound, they're unharmed. <laughs> and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Well, we know that wasn't the son, a son of the gods. It was the only begotten son of God himself, Jesus Christ. The Bible says you'll never be alone. And I, as I read that verse in Isaiah, I, I looked at it. I, you know, when you pass through the water, not if you pass, but when you pass, it's not about if this happens to you, here's what God will be there to help you. It says you will pass through the waters. And when you pass through the waters, God will be faithful. God is faithful. We're going through waters and heat and whatever metaphor you want to use today in this coronavirus deal. It's it's not good. It's very difficult. Our whole world has been turned upside down. I mean, we all know that. 
And yet in the midst of all of this, there are those among us who are trying, they're trying to use this horrible thing that's been foisted on our country, on the United States, but on the world. And yes, it came from China. It's not some invisible thing that nobody knows where it came from. It came from China, from Wuhan. We can't say that. That's politically incorrect, but it did. I mean, that's, that's the issue. But today, we're facing today circumstances and difficulties and challenges unlike most of us have ever seen in our life. And those of us who follow the Lord, who claim to be Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, when we walk through our fire, whatever it may be, it may be a broken family, it may be a lost job, it may be a bankruptcy, whatever it is, the fire, the flood, is something that's overwhelming you at the moment in your life. I have never seen God fail, and I've been in the ministry my entire adult life. Pastored a, my first church I pastored was in Ballard, up from the locks there. And I've seen God never fail, ever fail. And he's not going to fail you. He won't. But boy, we live in a very upside down world, that's for sure. I want to talk to you a little bit about why it's that way. It's because there are people who embrace God's word. Our founders did in America, thankfully. In fact, all of the Constitution, the, the whole principle of the Constitution, in fact, the principle of the Declaration of Independence as well, all based on truth and principles from God's Word. No, they're not quoting Scripture in the Constitution. That was assumed. I mean, everybody, there was a Christian consensus in America. Even the people that didn't claim to be believers claimed that the Word of God was true. We don't live in such a time now. There's people that just dismiss it. Some hate it. Some try to extract it from the culture. But all of us, all of us know the great division that's in America today. And the reason that it is is because there's two very different worldviews. It's not really politics. I mean, politics is, an, is just a symptom of it. But the, the real division in America today, and we, we're seeing it in, through this coronavirus, while we're all trying to come together and people are endlessly on television say, we're all in this together, we're all in this together. Well, we're not really, because some people are, are doing just fine and others not so much. And we're all experiencing this together, but not necessarily, I don't think we're together in it from what I see. It's And it's because we view things differently. But to the believer, God is in control. And to the non-believer, they try to be in control if they have the opportunity, but for the most part, they feel very much not in control. And that's when you feel that you're being overrun by the fire, the flood, the winds, the storms, whatever. And there's a lot of teaching in the Bible about that. I mean, Jesus taught about building your house on the rock or the sand and the consequences of each. So we live in a world today that, that's giving us a lot of opportunity to really take a look at who we are and what we believe. But truth, truth is at the basis of who we are because we follow Jesus Christ and he is the truth, the way, and the life. From Karl Marx to Lenin to present-day disciples of cultural Marxism, the phrase, I cannot tell a lie, has come to mean something very different than it meant to George Washington in his cherry tree episode. I don't know if that's true or not. They 
a lot of people say that's just a story that that grew, and perhaps it is. But certainly the the message is there. He said, I cannot tell a lie because people understood the difference between a lie and not a lie, the lie and truth. Today, there is no lie to the left because if they say it, it's true. If they believe it to be true, it is true. It's called relativism. We discard the Bible. We discard God's eternal truth, and we stand on shifting sand or the flood or the fire or whatever. Because to the left, to the progressive, so-called, the, the end justifies the means. But the tables are turning. Friday, former President Barack Obama, in a private call with some of his former employees, he calls them Obama alum, he said the news over the last, <clears throat> excuse me, 24 hours, I think, has been somewhat downplayed about the Justice Department decision this week to drop charges against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. That's really bothering Obama, and I'm going to tell you why. The reason it's bothering him is, be is because, and he said, he continued, he said, and the fact that there is no precedent that anybody can find for someone who has been charged with perjury just getting off scot-free. That's the kind of stuff where you begin to get worried that basic, not just institutional norms, but our basic understanding of the rule of law is at risk. And when you start moving in those directions, it can accelerate pretty quickly, as we've seen in other places. Well, of course we have. That leads to socialism and communism and dictatorship. But he's the leader of the left, but he's criticizing the right, the conservatives. But the tables are churning. Michael Flynn has become the center of all of this discussion, but he's not. it's not really about Michael Flynn. It is to him and his family, it, this whole episode where they trumped up the charges, tricked him into lying. You, I'm sure you've heard all of that on the news. I don't have time to go through all of it with you, but I would like to. But I, I will just say that this has exposed a much deeper issue, but it's going to speak to a much even larger issue. Grinnell... Richard Grinnell, he's the acting director of national intelligence. He de declassified all these documents over the last couple of days. And now the light has been turned on and the truth is out there. High ranking officials, heads of various departments in our national security apparatus here in America, the bureaucrats, the deep state, as they're called, these guys set up Flynn. And it's a fact. Their personal notes were going back and forth between one another saying, shall we get him fired or shall we send him to pr prison? What shall we do? I mean, it's, it's in their handwriting. These guys. So Obama had a meeting with these a number of his alum just a short time before he left office and Trump came into the Oval Office and they had this discussion. They actually talked about this. And up to now, everybody said, no, no, we didn't talk about it. Well, the president, he didn't. Well, he did know. That's why Obama is getting so concerned about the Michael Flynn case, because he's trying to get out in front of this story, because this story is going to be a flood and a fire in and of itself for the left. And I will tell you, when you hear on the news and Como or whomever, day after day, night after night, that, well, the Flynn thing is no big deal. Yes, it is. It's a really big deal. That's why they keep saying it's not a big deal. Barr said on Thursday last week, U.S. Attorney General, he said it's a perjury trap to get Flynn. And he said there's nothing illegal about Flynn's call to Mr. Kislyak. That's the 
the guy, the, the Russian counterpart of his, when there's a new administration coming in, those people like Flynn was, they call other countries, including Russia. Clinton did it. Obama did it. They all, they make contact. They say, hey, we're in transition. We want to know, we want you to know that we're going to work with you and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what they do. They, these guys know that, but they use that. They set up Flynn. Then they came to the White House unannounced and just called him and said, hey, we'd like to chat. A couple of FBI guys, we'd like to chat with you for a minute. And it was all set up. So they talked about a number of things and they asked him a question that he had spoken to some weeks or months ago in regards to Russian collusion. And he said something different. And they said, oh, we got you. That's what, I mean, that's the bottom line. When you turn on the light, that's what you see. And that's what's there. So the fact that Barack Obama and others are expressing deep concern over, over the law and the integrity of the law, that's not necessarily true. That's kind of a lie, to be honest with you, because what they're concerned about is that somebody's turned on the lights and this Grinnell guy is putting all this stuff out there. And he said, why should the American people not be able to see what's going on in their government? Well, that's not playing well in the left. In fact, Adam Schiff has been saying all along, he had all this evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. Now nobody believes that anymore, except the people that are uninformed. But 53 pieces of his communication has been put out to the public with the light turned on as well. And that's not boding well for shift either. He's getting a little nervous himself. So a lot of people are nervous, but what Barack Obama said, he said, the, this election that's coming up on every level is so important because we're going to be battling is not just a particular individual or a political party, but we're fighting against those long-term trends in which being selfish, being tribal, being divided and seeing others as an enemy that has become a strong impulse in American life. He's, of course, saying we've got to be Trump. And that's what this whole thing is about. Whether you like Donald Trump or you don't like Donald Trump, you've got to face the truth. This isn't about the what's best for the country. It's about what's best for an ideology. And it comes down to evangelicals are voting for a man that they don't necessarily approve of his past behavior. I mean, they just don't. I don't. But they're voting for a man as opposed to voting for a Hillary Clinton in 2016 and whomever, Joe Biden, whomever now. It's about two different worldviews. And that's what this is all about. And that's what we're looking at today. The Old Testament admonishes us, be sure your sin will find you out in Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. And that's I mean, that's what's happening. These people have been lying and lying and lying, and it's all out there now. I mean, the, the mainstream press is having a hard time writing these stories because they want to cover for them, and the cover is pretty much gone. And over the next few days or weeks, it will be gone because they simply have not been telling the truth. Oh, Gary, should you be this involved in politics? Of course, because this isn't really about politics. Politics is merely an extension, a symptom. What this is really about is about what we believe and who we are, our worldview, our patriotism to America. Joe Biden has already said he wants to be a, or he will be a transition president. When I saw that word, that was a buzzword to me. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, you know, transition to what? Well, to what is the most extreme far left position America has ever held in the history of our, of our republic? That's what it is.
that isn't pleasing to God. And I sure don't want it personally. I don't want to become Venezuela. Well, that'll never happen in America. Yeah, they used to say that in Venezuela too. I've traveled in missionary work all over the world. And I will tell you, nobody believes that what happens is going to happen until after it has happened. When they start down the path of socialism and communism, it just doesn't work. In Wonderland, Humpty Dumpty told Alice that whenever he used a word, I'm quoting Humpty Dumpty here in Wonderland, Humpty Dumpty said, quote, it means what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. I think that pretty well sums up the left. If I say it, it's true. If I believe it, it's true. Because truth is relative. This is not a left-wing value. It's a liberal value. It's a conservative value. But the truth has never been a left-wing value. It can't be by virtue of what the left believed. From Lenin to today's left, lying, especially about opponents, it's morally acceptable as long as it served the left's goals, defeating the opponents and attaining more power. As long as it advances the agenda, then a lie is not a lie. So George Washington didn't want to tell a lie about chopping down a cherry tree, if in fact he did that. But today, the left can't tell a lie because if they say something, it's it's what they believe. Therefore, it's not a lie. It's truth. I'm oversimplifying, but that is what it is. And that's what's going on in our country today. Melinda Gates, Mrs. Bill Gates has been running around, as I said, on talking about chaos, chaos. She said the word chaos a hundred times on the news lately, local news and on national news, all of the left-wing news stories, and they cover her well, and they should. Her, she and her husband are, I think, the second wealthiest people in, in the world. But I will tell you, all of this is about the next election. This is All of this is about what, what America will become, what America is about. That's what this is about. This isn't about Michael Flynn. It's not about the truth. It's about advancing an agenda. I'll tell you, Pilate looked at Jesus just hours before he killed him or oversaw the killing of Jesus. And he looked at him in the face and he said to Jesus, what is truth? I don't know if that was dismissive or sincere. God knows. But the world is standing where Pilate stood asking themselves and others, what is truth? Because you can't believe what your government officials tell you a lot of the time because they're not telling you the truth. And that is the champion. That is the banner of the left. That's what it's about. And that's what this is about. And you're going to see this playing out in the news over the next few days. And I will tell you that you're going to see some scurrying around on the left because they're concerned. And it's not concerned about the Constitution or the nation. It's concerned about their ideology and their agenda. And Barack Obama's right in the scurrying with the rest of his alums. So, well, thank you so much for being with me today. And remember, as we walk through the fire and the flood, God is with us. God is in control. Nothing is going to happen that God doesn't allow to happen. God doesn't make bad things happen. The Bible doesn't say that at all. But God allows things sometimes to cause us to rethink to reset and reconsider some of the things in our own personal life. 
Thank you so much for being with me today. We will continue, continue this conversation. I'll pick this up probably about right here where I am now tomorrow, and we'll continue this conversation. Have a great day, and remember, God is in control.